All right. We finished last time by saying that we're sinners and that sinful condition is much more serious than any of us here realize, including me. So, question. See if, for those of you who are here, are we sinners because of what we do? Are we sinners because of who we are? It's not a rhetorical question. Hmm? Who we are. We're sinners because of who we are. Now, we're really we're sinners too because of what we do. But first, first, we're sinners because of who we are. Last week, we heard David say that he was a sinner from the moment he was born. And then he stepped back and said, even from the time that my mother conceived me, and he wasn't talking about the sexual act there. He was talking about the condition of his heart. He was saying, I was a sinner. Now, had he actually, had David actually done a sin when he was in his mother's womb? No. He hadn't told a lie. Didn't, there was no conscious sin. But he was, had a sin nature. We could say it this way. Uh, does a dog... Does a, does a dog's barking cause him to be a dog? No. He barks because he is a dog. It's his nature. And on your scripture sheet, you can look at Romans 1, 29 to 32. And uh, this is a list of sins. And Paul is really good, not only in, not only in Romans, but in several subplots of listing the characteristics of sin in our lives. And I'm going to, let's, let's take a moment to read that. He's talking about us. He's, he's going around the world. When he's writing this, it's in the first chapter, and the first three chapters in Romans. You can understand it easily if you just, it's one sentence. He goes all over the world, gathers everybody, educated, uneducated, young, old, Jews, Gentiles, any race, doesn't matter. They're all sinners. And he's proving he's a lawyer. Paul was a lawyer. And he's, it's like he's in a courtroom and, or in a classroom and he's proving his case. He said, I'm, I'm going to prove that, that we're sinners. So here he is in chapter one. And he's talking about mankind. He's talking about us. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetous, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips. Slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now, there was a time in my life that, that I didn't want to believe that. I was, I was already a Christian. But I didn't want to believe. I, when I read something like that, I would say, There's, that's just an exaggeration. I, that's not me. I'm sorry, it's just not. 
And then one, one evening I walked into a church where uh, a visiting uh, minister was speaking. And uh, I went because I'd heard he was really interesting. And so as he began his message, and I'm sitting there, you may be thinking, this, this, these words are pretty accurate. He said, you may be thinking that God must be speaking about someone else when you read those words. He read those words. He said, you may be thinking that he's talking about someone else, that he's not talking about you. God, you say, I'm not that bad. Well, he had my interest immediately because that was exactly what I was thinking. So he said, let's go through the list. And he just took each word. Have you ever coveted? And my answer was, well, everybody covets. Well, that's the point. He goes and he said, is, is, is there no malice in your heart? Uh, I was I was guilty. Do you not envy, he said? Do you not envy what others have and what others, not only what they have, but what they can do? Guilty. But then I knew I had him because the very next characteristics was murder. And I knew I hadn't murdered anyone. But the minister said, perhaps you're thinking, well, I've got to one. I'm not that. I'm not a murderer. And he just turned over and to, to Matthew in the fifth chapter, where Jesus himself says, when we hate someone in our hearts. When we hate someone in our hearts. That's murder. And... I said, now that's, that's kind of, that's a stretch. And then he said, think of the people that you've killed in your mind with your hatred. Well, I'd killed my parents several times that way. And I'd killed my brothers and sisters scores of times that way. Yeah, that's me. And so he continued. Uh, Boastful. <laughs> I couldn't get out of that. Uh, inventors of evil. And my parents had told me that, that asked me if, do you spend your time just thinking of bad things you can do? And so, yeah, I'm an inner of evil, disobedient to parents. It goes on down. And before we got to the end of the list, I said, that is talking about me. That is talking about me. And I can prove to you, I can prove to you that's talking about you. So, here's this chair. Everybody's sitting here. We're going to hook that chair up to the television. And it's going to show up on the screen everything 
that you've thought, every word you've said, every action, not for the rest, not for your whole life, not even for the last six months, just this week, just this week. Who's going to sit in that chair? I would never sit in that chair. If it just showed the last hour, I wouldn't sit in that chair. What does that say? We can't stand that kind of exposure. We can't stand that kind of nakedness. All right. Now, here's the really odd truth, and it's where the good news begins. What's the first step in becoming a Christian? The very first step in becoming a Christian. What is it? When someone's joining the church, what is the first question they're asked? If you're a member of Christ's covenant or some other, this is a question or independent or second, wherever you join, you were asked this question. Very first question. Do you believe that you are a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, except in his sovereign mercy? That's the first question. Didn't say, do you sometimes sin? Didn't say that. It says, are you a sinner? Well, explain the biblical view of that. And the minister says, well, it means that you have a sin nature. And that I could put a gun to your head and say, the next time you sin, I'm going to pull a trigger. You might as well pull the trigger. Entrance, you know, if you were, sometimes we hear the world saying, well, the church is full of, quote, good people. And, and I think that that they're not talking about a good kind of morality there. I think the world is saying they're pretending that they're not sinners like the rest of us. And yet, the first requirement is that you hold up your hand. Yep, I'm a sinner. It's like, (laughs) I like saying this. I like saying things so that people can remember a simple concept that sounds really weird. But joining the church is a lot like joining the mafia. You've got to confess to be bad before you can get in. You've got to swear to being bad before you can get in. You say, well, I I think you're kind of twisting the gospel there a little bit, John. Really? What did Jesus say? When he was asked why he was eating with known sinners, with the tax collectors, with the prostitutes, what did he say? 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Was he saying the Pharisees hadn't sinned? No. His point was that it's the prostitutes and tax gatherers, and the tax gatherers were, I mean, most of them, the majority of them, they cheated. They really cheated and cheated people out of their money. And they knew they were wrong. They knew they were sinners. The Pharisees likewise were sinners. They just didn't know it. So how does, how does God respond? This God that made us, each one of us, made us in his image, gave us the creation to us, created us male and female. How does he react to our sin? Remember last week, last week, we saw in Romans 3 that Paul makes this statement. He not only says we're legally guilty before God. In God's courtroom, we're sinners. We've broken the law. He's not talking about our, our being there, who we are. He's talking about our legal status. But in that same chapter, he does talk about our being. And he says, in our being, we're sinners. We don't seek God. We said last week that we used a magnet. And we said that if you take up two magnets and you hold them apart, you can't keep them apart, that bam, like this. That's the way we are with sin. But if you separate the magnets and you take one and turn it over, what happens? It repels. Well, that's the picture of our hearts toward God. The sin nature is alien. God is alien to our sin nature. So much so, so much so, now I want you to see this. In John six forty four. Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now the picture is not that God is holding the sinner down saying you can't come. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that sin is in us to the degree it's such a part of our nature that we're paralyzed by it. We're paralyzed spiritually by it. He said, unless the Father who sent me draws him, no one can come. Now, I read that to somebody one time, and they said, ah, John, that's got to be, and this was another Christian. John, that's got to be wrong. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, that's not what the Bible teaches. <laughs> and I said, well, it's odd you'd say that, because I think Jesus knew you were going to say that. Because just 20 verses later, in the same chapter, John 6, 65, he says, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. 
Whoa. So the question's got to be. I was teaching this to about an 11 or 12-year-old in individual classes that I used to do. Instead of big confirmation classes, we'd just one-on-one. And he really got it. He really got it. And he, this curiosity, he looked, he said, that can't be right. I said, why? I said, how in the world can we become Christians? I said, you got it. You understand. People, that's how crippled we are. That's why I said at the end of last week, we, we don't even begin to realize what sin has done to us. And how can we become Christians? This next, this next scene in John chapter 3, I, I can't read it without laughing. It is just, it's hilarious. So, you know, in Scripture, a lot of times, whether you're reading stories in the Old Testament or whether you're reading narratives in the New Testament or Jesus' interaction with people, it really is, and it's meant to be, humorous. It's, it's meant to be uh, dramatic in some cases. In some places, it's just... It's meant to, to say, you know what? This is real life. So here's, now there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's born physically. It's like the just before the baby is born, the water breaks. And and so it's, it's unless one is born of water, that's physical birth and the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he reiterates that. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and you do not? understand these things. Now, the Pharisees were the most religious people in, in the, if you were a Pharisee, you couldn't just decide, I'm going to join the Pharisees. You had to be voted in. Uh, some men were born, some people were born into it. And so when Nic- when it says Nicodemus, a ruler of the Pharisees, it, he, was, he was wealthy. It meant he was wealthy. It meant he was a religious Paragon. It meant that he was dressed. His the what he wore on his head shouted, "I'm religious." His robe shouted, "I'm religious." And so here's this person that's uber uber religious. He says he and he compliment. He comes at night because the Pharisees. This this happened probably a year into Jesus' ministry, maybe just a few months into Jesus' ministry. And the Pharisees were angry. They were full of anger because Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. Jesus was claiming to be God. 
But Nicodemus saw something in, in Jesus. He couldn't explain the miracles. And so he comes to Jesus at night and when no one can see him. And he starts off with a compliment instead of criticizing and saying, let me tell you what my friends are saying about you. They're saying you're a charlatan. They're saying you're doing this by the power of Satan, but he didn't do that. He said, we know that you are sent from God. Now, that was a great, that was a huge compliment. And this is what's hilarious. It's like you go and pay Jesus a compliment and say, you know, Jesus, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not, but I'm really impressed with the Sermon on the Mount. Or Jesus, I'm really impressed with, with your just selfless uh, work that you do in healing lepers and making the blind to see. And that's, that's, what, that's what Nicodemus was doing. He's called to me. And what does Jesus say to him? He looks at this paragon of religiousness. And he said, Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he's not going to see the kingdom of heaven. And you can just say, Nicodemus is like, uh, 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 you know, what are you talking about? Jesus went right to the heart of the issue. He said, you're all dressed up on the outside. You've got, you've got all the trappings of being faithful to the Word of God. But you don't have it, Nicodemus. Your heart hadn't been changed. Do you see it? He was saying, Nicodemus, you were born with a sin nature. You need to be reborn. You got that sin nature by, your, by virtue of your birth into Adam's family. And you need to be born into the second Adam's family. Your nature needs to be changed. And he tells him how. He said it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Unless you're born of the water physically and born of the Spirit, you'll not see the kingdom of God. He looks at our very being. God says, so what does God do with our sinfulness? He looks at he looks at the very core of our being, who we are, and he sees our sin, our depravity, a heart that rebels against him and repels him, a heart that says, God's alien to me. And God sends his spirit to change our hearts. Wow. That's how God responds. That's how God responds. He doesn't respond to you because you go down and work in the inner city. That's a good thing to do. Christians ought to be doing that. He doesn't respond because you can say, I've, I've really tried to take care of people that are hurting. He responds 
He's responding to a heart that's sinful, wretched, that would take the crown off of God's head. He sends the Holy Spirit. Over in 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is who you are now. If you've been born again, you've been born again, this is, this is who you are now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? Are you? He is a new creation. What's God mean by that? He's been changed by the Holy Spirit. The inside's been recreated. Now, we're at the end. The biggest question that I had was, I was a teenager. It's a question some of you are right now asking in your heart. How can I know I've been born again? How can I know that? I'd heard ministers say, these are actual quotes now. I'm not making this up. I'd heard, because I was, for years, this bugged me. How can I know? I heard one minister say that, that when you're born again, said, the birds sound different, and the trees look different. I said, well... I'm an outdoors person. The birds have always sounded the same to me and the trees have always looked the same to me. That wasn't very encouraging. And our, another minister said, well, it's such a huge thing that when you're born again, I mean, there's such, it's such a transformation that you don't know it. If you're asking, have, have I been born again, then for sure you haven't been. And that, that, that took hold for a little bit. And then I read about how John the Baptist was changed when he was in his mother's womb. He was born with a transformed heart. I read about Timothy from infancy. If you're, if you're raised in the church, if you're raised back then, if you'd been raised in the synagogue or in our day, if you'd been raised at second or independent and your parents were Christians and you had always prayed when before you ate and you read scripture and your dad and mom prayed with you and you went to Sunday school, you know, when you're more again, it may not seem like much of a transformation. We, we used to pray at independent and I pray it still. I'll pray it this Sunday morning. We're going to baptize a baby at, at Christ's covenant. And I pray that this, I'll pray that this child never remembers a day that he didn't love or she didn't love Jesus Christ. That's a great prayer to pray. I pray that you pray that when your children are born. I pray that they'll never remember a day that they didn't love Jesus. So the person that said, well, you're going to know it. It's such a transformation. No, no, maybe not. Then I heard that, well, when you've been born again, you wake up singing every morning. <laughs> I said, man, I'm lost. 
I'm done. Another person uh, said, well, when you're born again, you're not going to sin anymore. <laughs> uh, I read where Paul said, talking about even as a Christian, said, the sin that I know is wrong, that which, that's what I do. And the right I know that I should do, I don't do. And that was the Apostle Paul. So how can you know? There's an answer. The real answer. Steve, get water out of that. What if I told you that I was going to pull out my pistol and shoot you if you didn't get water from it? I'd be dead. Okay. You wouldn't be. Now, pretend that this is not petrified wood. Pretend that it is a human heart. Pretend that it's a sinful nature. This time, get that sinful heart to love Jesus. Get that sin nature to love Jesus. Get that sinful nature to hate sin. Can you do that? I could get it to hate sin, but not. Whoa, no, 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 no. How could you get it to hate sin now? Like, it has a natural affinity to sin. I know, but it, say it was like an alcoholic or something. And uh, <laughs> I was like, can't you yeah, go, yeah, okay, okay. All right. I'll give you, 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 that might, that might work. It's like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> uh, yeah. Your so, 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 most of the time, but that's not going to work. But, so, but, but you get the idea. You can't do it. You can't. You can't. It's just as impossible. It's just impossible to get a sin nature to hate sin. And to love Jesus. See, we think, many of us have had a theology that has said, well, I can, I can will myself. I can change myself. What, what, what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Unless one is born again. Well, how are you born again? It has to be the Holy Spirit. If you love Jesus, if you love God, what was it? What's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Jesus said, if parents love their children more than me, they're not worthy of me. He was just repeating the first commandment. He was saying, I'm God. Parents commit idolatry when they love their children 
I promise you, when you have children, if you had them and you know Jesus, Jesus pulls up next to them just like he did me. And Jill was born and said, you, you loving her, John, more than you do me? And to kids, he says, you love me more than you do your parents. Only a reborn heart loves like that. But, see the good news is that there's a whole lot of people in this world, black and white, red and yellow, male and female, rich and poor, and their hearts have been changed. If anyone's in Christ, he or she is a new creation. A new creation. Male and female, newly created in Christ. Made in God's image, newly created in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this good evening. Thank you for your presence in our midst. Thank you for sending your spirit to change our hearts. Oh, Father, by the power of your spirit, change our hearts. If our hearts have been changed, grow us in our love for Christ. Thank you. We pray now. I pray your blessings upon everyone in this room, their marriages, their lives. Father, if they're married, I pray that you'd bless their homes as husbands and wives. They would build their lives and their children's lives upon your word. That they would find great, great joy in each other. If they're not married, Father, I pray that if it be your will, that you will lead them to that man or that woman that will love you first and then love them. Love them in Christ. Our Father, strengthen us all in Christ where we are. Thank you for who you created us to be and how you have recreated us in Him. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, in the name of your Son and for His glory. Amen.